0: Third Wednesday night of the year, the new year, the new decade. So, the first night we talked about fasting. Last week we talked about the word. Tonight we're going to talk about prayer. Okay? And I enjoyed putting this lesson together. I hope you enjoy it, listening to it as much as I did putting it together. Everybody's hot, cold? You all good? So far? All right, I don't see anybody got your blankets on. There's a couple extra blankets over in this section here. You need them. Okay, prayer, getting back to the basics. we got to get back to the basics of prayer. Jesus said this comes only by fasting and prayer. And we talked about fasting, that it was a, um, a custom of the New Testament church. Also in the Old Testament, you'll find Several instances where fasting was practiced and put into employment there, but we're going to talk about prayer tonight. Prayer is just talking to God. It's a relationship. I'm I'm teaching Bible studies to someone uh, via the internet. Uh huh. And the Bible study I sent I sent them a Bible study at two forty. Uh, 2.15 this morning, amen, and talking about the family of God, you're born into the kingdom, you're birthed into this, just like a natural family, you're birthed into it, and so one of the things that we have to realize is that it takes things to maintain, you got to maintain a relationship with your family, amen. Amen. You gotta go see him every now and then. Okay, we got some friendly families here, y'all. Got some friendly families. Okay, prayer. So let's get back to some basics here. It can often be difficult to find time to pray each day. Anybody been there? All of us have been. Even the pastor. We have work, family, and other obligations. Takes most of our attention. And then when the day is done, we discover that we forgot to pray. How do you like when you were going to fast and then you forgot that you fast, we're going to fast, until after you suck down that egg McMuffin? And it's like, oh, Lord, forgive me, Jesus. But it's, it's hard. It's, it's hard. And the devil is going to put things in your path to distract you. And we were talking, who was I talking with? Was it you, Ginger? We were talking about the conveniences that we have now. You know, when Amy and I were dating, I had to pay for long-distance phone calls. You remember that? Remember when you had to pay for long-distance phone calls? Now, there were some girls I dated that I wished I would had that money back on those long-distance phone bills that I had to spend I remember my dad slapping the phone bill down, and it, he had circled all the calls that were mine, and he said, young man, these are yours. Oh, Lord, have mercy. And then when we didn't, couldn't talk to each other, we wrote letters. We put them in the mail. You mailed them. If, if you mailed something from Western Maryland to Houston, it took four or five days, days to get there. Now, we type something up and hit send and it's around the world in seconds. But what happens is our life becomes so convenient that we pull in more stuff that we have to do. So we're still out of time. So we're out of time when we pray. One solution is not to try a grandiose plan for prayer, but to be consistent with a short schedule of prayer each day. Okay? Like we talked about reading the word, a lot, of, a lot of us probably aren't going to be able to start, continue, and finish reading the whole Bible this year. You're going to get stuck somewhere, going to get behind a lot of days, and then finally going to throw up your hands and say, I quit, I give up. So we decided, I threw out the, the idea, just read the New Testament. Read the New Testament. Do that this year. Here, I don't want you to pray an hour. Because a lot of us run out of things to say. In an hour. An hour is a long time. Okay? So let's talk about if we prayed 15 minutes a day, that seems to be an attainable goal for most people. And we all can find 15 minutes to pray each day. 15 minutes. That's like nothing. Gary Jensen is an author. He explains the reason why this particular number of 15 is so effective in his book called The 15-Minute Prayer Solution, How 1% of Your Day Can Transform Your Life. And he explains it like this. Let me explain to you, Lucy. Okay. Did you know that there are 1,440 minutes in a day? It's true. I did the math, he said. Did you also know that 1% of all that time is 14 minutes and 24 seconds? 1% 1% of a day is 14 minutes, 24 seconds. What would happen if you made it a conscious decision every day to exercise your soul by giving roughly 15 minutes of your time over to God? Just one tiny percent of your life, and it would change your life, and it did his. 15 minutes. You say, well, that's not very long. We need to give the Lord more than that. Okay, we'll go for it. But let's start somewhere. you got to start somewhere. Okay? Start somewhere. Some of us may be intimidated with the task of praying each day, but it really shouldn't be a problem. A lot of people say, well, we need to pray an hour for the Lord every day, and the people saying that haven't prayed an hour a day in 14 years. What I like is is when people come to me, and, the, and there are some people who can't fast. They can't fast because of health situations. They can't fast because it's, it's a struggle for them, okay? And, and I'm, I'm just an old clodhopper. You know a clodhopper? That's a term we used to use when your shoes were real big, clodhoppers. I'm an old clodhopper. If you want to do a three-day fast, I'll clod hop through it and three-day fast with you. But what I really like is the people who never fast saying, you know what, we need to be going three-day fast. And I'm thinking, and yeah, while I'm starving to death two and a half days into it, you're going to be laying on the floor shaking needing eating a little bit of bacon. Get it? Shaking and bacon. Shake and bake, right? So these people that say, we need to pray. We need to pray, Pastor. You go to a conference and there's this preacher up there and he's preaching and he's running a 1,000 in church. And he's talking about going home, and there's 250 on a Saturday night in the prayer meeting. And we all get excited and say, we need to do that too. And the one that says, we need to do that too, never came to one of ours. Now, Clark is the mayor of Durbanville. I try to be the mayor of Realville. Let's be real. Be real with yourself. So this year, in your devotions, be real with yourself. Be real with yourself about reading the Word. Don't don't even try to read the whole Bible. Because the devil will use it against you if you don't do it. He'll say, see, you're not as good as Christian as you thought you were. Don't say, bless God, pastor, that that, that message you preach Sunday just makes me want to go on a seven-day fast. And I'm going to start in the morning. And by 10, the 10-20 break, you're shaking, laying on the floor of the break room at work, praying somebody pour some coffee down your throat. You know, oh, I got, what have you been doing? I'm fasting. Can't you tell? My, my forehead's got a billboard that says I'm fasting. Can't you tell? So we don't want to overextend ourselves with something we cannot do, and then the devil turns around and uses that against us called condemnation. You can't read the Bible through, you can't fast, now you can't even pray an hour. So let's pray 15 minutes. So let's see how this 1% a day works. The key is to set aside time every day. All of us have that time. All of us have that quiet time. Some of you like to get the best part of waking up is Folgers in your cup. Jesus. Jesus. Whatever you don't drink of your Coke, take it out there and pour it on your battery in your car. Let it eat the corrosion off of it. Oh, Lord. What is good to the last drop? Maxwell House is good to the last drop. All right. So each of us have coffee time or you wake up in the morning. You morning people love to watch the sunrise. You love it. You love it. All right? We, we night owls like to see the sunset. But what are we going to do? So the saying goes, slow and steady wins the race. Slow and steady wins the race. Steady, consistent prayer, has a much greater effect on our prayer life than intense bursts that fizzle over time. All right? Years ago, years ago, 30 years ago, the big craze among Christianity was... We're going to pray from six, at six in the morning at the church. We're going to pray for an hour. There's a big old church down in in the Dallas, Texas area that did that, and they, you know, they pushed it and it happened. And let's face it, some of us we can get, we just can't get there. I remember one church I was working in. They called a prayer a a three a.m. in the morning prayer. Saturday morning, right? 3 a.m. So I went to sleep on Friday night, and I slept all night and got up. And when it came time, I saw the the pastor, my boss, that day, and I said, I "I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know if I'm going to go to sleep and sleep for a few hours and then get up and then come to the church and pray at 3 a.m.? I don't know if I'm just going to stay up all the night and then go home and go to bed. And he looked at me and he just kind of grinned. He said, Brother Tracy, yes, sir? We already prayed. It was this morning. Well, I thought Saturday night meant when Saturday night began. I had totally missed the whole prayer meeting. So uh, I just decided that that was a sign from the Lord that I would just sleep all the way through it again, and the next one I would make it. Amen. And I did. But this 6 a.m., a lot of people aren't going to come to this church at 6 a.m. to pray. All right? For instance, when I worked on the East Coast in the church, we did that at 6 a.m. I've shared the story with you. We liked that extra couple hours of sleep before we had to go to the office, so we would come at 5 we would come at 5 a.m. and pray in that sanctuary. That sanctuary would seat 1,500 people, 1,000 on the floor. You know what a big old sanctuary like that is at 5 in the morning? Spooky. All right? We'd pray, and then we'd go home and sleep for two or three hours, and come home, come back and go to work. So when I left that place of employment, that church, and went to the new church to pray, the pastor was totally different. Oh, we don't pray like that. We pray at the home, we do devotions. We're just, we just, and so I had to change things. So we're not going to look at just a a burst of intense prayer at one hour and it's going to happen for us. Let's look at 15 minutes a day, and it can accomplish this in several different ways. First of all, find short moments to pray throughout the day. How about to start the day off, a five-minute morning prayer? How about in the middle of the day, to ask God's help in the middle midst of the day, a five-minute lunch prayer, afternoon prayer. Muslims pray, boy, how many times a day? Five times a day. I'll never forget when I was in Amman, Jordan. I was going to Israel. We flew into Jordan. And I'll never forget at 5 a.m., I mean, the sirens went off. The speakers went off. And I had jet lag already, and I'm hearing all that. It's like, Wow. But there are people coming to pray. How about this? A final night prayer, which helps a person examine their day and see where they need to grow and improve. Right there. Five minutes morning, five minutes middle of the day, five minutes at night, 15 minutes of prayer. You're spending time with the Lord. That's what it's all about. You're talking with the Lord. You're spending time with him. Fifteen minutes of prayer, you can do this and accomplish it in several ways. You can do it all at one time. If you and Folgers and the sun rising is your 15 minutes, do it. Whatever works for you. God made you. He made you a morning person. I don't know how, why, but he did. I know why. Because the morning people have to cover for the night shift people. And when the morning people go to bed, it's 4.30 when they get home from work, 5 o'clock in the afternoon. The night shift's got to... Pull up the slack. Got a cover for you in the night shift. Okay? All at one time. Or do it in the morning. You can do that in the morning or before you go, and, and however God's wired you to do this. Praying for 15 minutes a day may seem like a short amount of time. But when it's done in faith, it affects you for a lifetime. Not only that, but the goal is the 15 minutes of prayer will lead to praying without ceasing. Now, there are days where I do not come in here and pray in the sanctuary. There are days when I do. There are days when I come in here and pray. I pray 35, 45 minutes, hour, hour and 15 minutes, whatever. There are some days when I wake up and the phone takes off. It takes off with calls and text, and I've got to go here and talk to this one. So when I'm not here today, what am I doing? I'm on the road praying. On Mondays, I take the the deposit up to the bank in Nicomas. I purposely keep the radio off. I shut the radio off. And from my home to the bank drive up is 30 minutes of beautiful Holy Ghost praying. I yell out your names. Yes, I yell in my car. Bernie Mordini, I take off on Vernie Mordini, Nathan Havenstrike, and I'll pray in tongues until I feel that release, what am I doing, now I'm praying without ceasing, now I've turned a 15 minute prayer meeting into I'm praying 30 minutes in the car, and I'm telling you what, if the Lord's moving, after I go through that drive through, the radio keeps off again. And another 30 minutes, I'm praying again. Why? Because now I'm developing a prayer life here. But it starts small, right? 15 minutes. We must start small, have faith the size of a mustard seed, and let God do the rest. Just so that God build himself in you. Let the kingdom be built in you. Amen? A day has these statistics. I know you would like this. It has 24 hours. 1,140 minutes is in a 24-hour period. One hour has 3,600 seconds, which means that 24 times 3,600, you have 86,400 seconds in a day. And you can't get nothing done? You can't get nothing done in 86,400 seconds. That sounds like a lot, until you realize how small it is. That's our day. And so we fill that day with 14 minutes and 24 seconds of prayer. There you go. And just be consistent. Just be consistent. That's one thing that I learned from the boss after the, we, the, the East Coast church and 5 and 6 a.m. prayer. He said, just be consistent. Just be consistent. If you're consistent, God will take care of the rest. Amen? And so in that 24-hour period... Eventually the sun goes down. Look at that picture. How about that? Eventually the sun goes down and the sunset, and you may find yourself. The Lord may translate you in the prayer in your prayer world to a beautiful tropical paradise. Amen. But until then, you're still in central Illinois. Amen. Ten truths to remember and pray in your war room. Now, I incorporated this because. That seems to be a very, very strong movement right now. Find a place in your house. Find a place where you can pray, your prayer closet. Okay? I remember one time, I played hide and seek from my mom. And I went in and I got in We lived in a trailer. I got in the closet of their bedroom, my mom and dad's bedroom, and I got in behind a bunch of clothes. They weren't my dad's clothes either. Imagine that. I had to, and I sat on a wig box. You ever seen the wig boxes? Big round wig boxes. So I'm sitting on a wig box, and my mom is looking for me. She's hollering for me. She's hollering for me. She can't find me. And I think, this is awesome. I'm hiding from my mom. I'm in this closet, I'm hiding. And finally, she starts going through the whole house and she opens up the door to her closet and sees my feet. Because I'm sitting in the back, all she can see is my feet. And you know what my loving mother said to me? Tracy, that's a good way to get shot. Because we were on a farm. You know by the door? You know what we had by the door on the farm? You had a pump shotgun ready to go. You don't ever know who you're going to have to greet out there in the country. Mainly, it was possums and skunks, you know. But you don't have to always get away in your in your prayer closet. Jesus talked about that. But if you have a designated spot, I had a, a spot when I got the Holy Ghost. We had an extra bedroom at our house and I spent, I spent a good two and a half, three years in that bedroom, that extra bedroom that we made a prayer room. And I would go in there after I came home from work and I would eat. And if I had to do homework, I'd do homework. But if I didn't have any homework, I may get in there and pray for an hour or two. Sometimes, Brother Bernie, I would fall asleep. And then I, I would wake up speaking in tongues because my legs were going to sleep because they were folding underneath me. You say, well, Should you go to sleep when you're praying? Well, I can't think of a better way to go out. Go to sleep speaking in tongues, wake up speaking in tongues. So let's talk about the war room. Let's talk about ten things the Lord wants you to remember here. Okay? Number one, you're loved. I am loved. You've got to remember that. The devil hates you. Jesus loves you. I was talking to some, to some ladies this past week about their self-esteem, and it's amazing how a lot of women feel about themselves. I said, on a scale of one to ten, what is your number, your self-esteem? One to ten. One being I'm white trash, ten being I'm the happiest girl in the whole USA, Right? Donna Fargo. Frank, you don't remember Donna Fargo, do you? Do you? Funny face. All right. And I thought that this this lady would say, oh, I'm, you know, I'm about a five or six. Oh, she said, I'm a one. Talk to another one. Same question. One. I saw, I was coming around the intersection today and I saw someone, who uh, Sister Sylvie was driving the transit bus. An older lady was driving a transit bus. And we made eye contact. And the smile that she gave me was a smile of kind of like, I hope you would like me if we would meet. You know what I'm saying? An older lady. And I just prayed and I said, Lord, how many women in the world, their self-esteem is just been destroyed listen Jesus died for our sins God loved us before we were even born he forgave us of our sins this sounds simple but if you don't renew our minds with the truth of God's love for us sometimes when we look around us all at all that is happening in the world and in our lives we start to doubt does anybody love us does anybody think I matter Does anybody know I exist? People are lonely. People are full of hopelessness. People, they're just existing. They're just in the routine of life. But John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. You've got to get a confidence that God loves you, cares for you. He put his spirit in you, didn't he? He gave you a spirit. I am forgiven. Here's another big one. Unforgiveness is a powerful tool. Unforgiveness will rob us of every blessing that God's trying to give us. Saturday, when Brother Josh was here, I think it was Brother Josh, he said, I want you to think about, is there anybody in the world that you hate? Now, I I hate the New England Patriots. But I didn't think that counted. I just don't like that team. But I couldn't think of anybody that I really hated. That's a strong word. But unforgiveness, unforgiveness will, if the, Jesus said, if you cannot forgive your brother whom you can see, how can your father in heaven forgive you whom you cannot see? If I can't forgive Danny for what Danny did to me, August twelfth, nineteen ninety six, at the Ramsey Cafe. Uh, I know the date, I know the time. Do you remember? I remember. Uh, I'm just, i just made it up, Danny. I'm just using you for an illustration. <laughs> He was sweating, wasn't he? Yeah. So this unforgiveness is is like this. If I can't forgive Danny, how can the Lord forgive me? That's what Jesus is saying. And they say that unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. If you're the person that did you the dirtiest, did you the wrongest, if that's a word, did you the most damage and hurt in your life? Was stranded along the road? Would we be able to stop and help him? That's what we got to ask ourselves. So we have to let, I'm forgiven. Jesus was born in a stable in a town called Bethlehem, and at that moment, the cross was on his mind. He was born to die. His blood gives us forgiveness, redemption, and makes our relationship with God right again. Brings us back into line. Matthew 26, 27, and 28. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. All of us are unworthy of the blood of Jesus. But it's a gift of God. So all of us get to enjoy its benefits. So I'm forgiven. I'm chosen. You're not here by accident. You're not here by accident. You're here on purpose. You're here with a purpose. Sometimes these words are hard to believe, but you were chosen by the God of the universe. Out of all the people in the world that have ever lived, ever existed before, now, and coming after you, God put his spirit in you. That's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. Out of all the billions of people, seven and a half billion people in the world, you get to carry around the spirit of the eternal God inside of you. He created you. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. And he chose you before the foundation of the world to be his child, his beloved. First Peter 2.9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. The devil wants to tell you that you're trash. The devil wants to tell you that you don't matter. But you're God's special treasure. He knows every hair on your head. He knows when they start falling out. He gives the sparrows a place to sleep. Foxes have a place. The lilies of the valley, they don't toil, they don't spin, they don't work. And he said, you, yeah, All of them mean nothing. You're the apple of his eye. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Number four, God's word is a lamp to my feet. So often we worry, we wonder, we ask for wisdom. And yet God has given us the precious gift of his word. How many times have we taken this gift for granted? Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light to my path. So I want you to think about that for a minute. He mentions two different types of light sources here. He says a lamp and a light. Where is a lamp? A lamp is on an end table. A lamp is on a desk. A lamp is there. For you to turn on so you can see the small, minute details of your work. But a light is a light in the parking lot. Isn't it it so much easier now to go out and find your car in the dark? Since we got the new parking lights up, it's nice. You can almost read a book out there. You get a suntan, you can get a tan. If you can brave the cold, and I I go out there tonight and see somebody with your shirts off trying to get a tan, you're going to say, I'm going to say, you really appreciate this, Pastor. Yeah. So a light is general lighting. It lights up the whole thing. So God gives us his word for general lighting, for the generalities. But his word also acts as a lamp to show us specifics, to show us specifics of what he wants to do in our lives. He's concerned, and he's, he's, uh, his attention is on the details of your life. He knows how you're feeling when you get up in the morning. He knows how you're feeling when you go to bed. He knows the struggles you go through. He knows every, exactly what you need before you even ask him. He knows what's going for your mind before you even speak it. Some of you think you're going to trick God and say, Oh, man, I'm not telling God that. He already knows what you're thinking. He already knows what you're thinking. You can't out trick God. You can't out negotiate God. I've tried to negotiate God. I thought I had him. I thought I had God in a corner. I was, I mean, I was gonna call Vegas. I was gonna call my bookie and say, I'm putting odds on Tracy. Tracy's got him in a corner now. I was sitting in that Walmart at 6 a.m. In Lawrenceville, Illinois. And I said, okay, God, if you want me to start a church in Vandalia, you just let somebody walk up to me that doesn't know I'm praying this and say to me, if you started a church in Vandalia, I'd come. Brother Randall, I knew I had him. Hey, there ain't no way. It's Lawrenceville the great city of Lawrenceville. Has anybody ever been to Lawrenceville? That's a powerful place. That is a long way from here. Do you know if I'm there at 6 o'clock in the morning How what time I had to get up? It's six counties away. And those counties are very sparsely sparsed. There ain't much there at all. But I knew sitting in that McDonald's while my truck was getting unloaded and I'm driving a delivery route and saying, oh man, woohoo!" I left there, Bernie, like, man, I got this. Ain't no way. Ain't no way. Now, I did not put a time limit on God. I did not say I need you to answer me within a week. I did not say a month. I didn't even say two years. I just left it open. I figured I've made it so hard on him. I've made it so hard on God that I'm just going to give him the rest of my life to answer that for me. So that was 6 a.m. I pulled into the Effingham Walmart at 3 o'clock on the same day. Long story short, a guy that I had known, I was trying to hide from him. Because at that point in my life, I didn't know if I was going to be celebrated or tolerated. You don't know if that... You ever been in that situation? You don't know whether you're going to get loved on or shot at. You guys probably have never dealt with that before in your lives. And so I didn't know what the response would be, so I just kind of hid in my truck. Well, Brother Randall, there's only so much you can do in the logbook for 30, 30 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. You can just doodle. You know, you draw your lines when you're driving, when you're not driving. And finally, it looked like the coast was clear. So I got out and started working. I got that first rack of plants on that, on that lift gate, and it started coming down. And a car backs up to the peat moss pile. And lo and behold, the person I'm trying to hide from gets out of the peat moss pile car. You, there, there ain't no way. You, you don't, you're you done. You know how you're caught? You can't go anywhere. You're caught. You're done. You've been had. You can't go, and hide in the back of the truck. Because the gates don't, the lifts don't move that fast. And he got out of the car, and he saw me. How could he see me? Look, at, how could he, I thought I was invisible. This is what he said. Oh, Brother Tracy, man, it's good to see you. So I thought, praise the Lord, I'm being celebrated. And he walks over and hugs me. And he says, if you started a church in Vandalia, we'd come. Nine and a half hours. He didn't need a day. He didn't need a week. So you're not going to out-negotiate God. Okay? You're not going to do it. It's not going to happen. God's word will lead and guide you. But well, we got to read it. Amen. We've been given armor like the word. We've been given tools, weapons to aid in the battle we face, the battles we face. We have been commanded to be strong in the Lord. And how do we do this? With the armor of God. We've been given truth in God's word, the righteousness of God, readiness with which to speak the gospel, a shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit. We have to learn to use them, pick them up, and stand firm in the Lord and in his mighty power. Okay? Ephesians, finally. Be strong in the Lord and in, the mighty pa- in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. The devil's going to scheme against you. The devil's going to try to trick you. The devil's going to try to rip you off. The devil's going to try to talk you out of walking with the Lord. But you've got to go fight against him. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then. Stand firm. Can't run. Can't turn your back and run. Can't go hide in the closet. That'll get you shot. You believe that? How about your mom telling you that? that could get you shot. Lord have mercy, mama, just hiding. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God and pray. Everybody say pray. Pray in the spirit. On all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. You've got to pray in the spirit. you got to fight. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost intercedes for me. You have to do more of this. You have to do more. Sometimes we don't have the words. This is why we must allow the Spirit of God to pray through us. It is encouraging to remember that the Holy Spirit who lives in me brings comfort to me and intercedes for me according to the will of God. When you pray in tongues, you're praying the will of God. Now the devil will tell you, oh, you don't even know what you're saying. Exactly. And I mentioned this Saturday. The reason it, listen, if we would pray the will of God in English, And hear what God wants to do with us, our flesh would shut it down. Our human reasoning would say, No way. And then we open up the door for doubt and unbelief. And we would abort what God is trying to do in our lives. We don't believe in abortion around here. Do we? Not only of babies, but we don't believe in aborting what the plan and blessings of God are for our lives. And so the, we let the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, pray through us according to the will of God. Romans 8, 26, 27. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. You ever been around somebody and they're not even saying stuff? Sometimes they're just going, Ugh. Oh, shouldn't hate that burrito. No, he's not saying that. The Holy Ghost is working in you, he's praying in you. And he, now watch, he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Who's searching the heart? The Spirit. Who wrote the scriptures? It's not a trick question the spirit the holy ghost moved on holy men right the holy ghost the spirit of god moved on holy men and they wrote the scriptures that's why you don't read the you can't read the bible and understand it until you get the spirit inside when you get the spirit inside now you're reading with the same eyes of the same one who has the same hands who wrote it the same lips that spoke it did you notice that when you got the Holy Ghost, how the words started coming together and making sense then? Yeah. He who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. You're going to be a victor. You're already a victor. There is such a powerful, this is such a powerful truth. The God that is in us is greater than the enemy that is in the world. 1 John 4, 4. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because... The one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. I've already talked to you about this. If the devil could have killed you, he'd already be dead. But you're still kicking. How about that? How about that, Ginger? All those surgeries you've been through, you're still here. Still here. The Lord is my help. So often we go to others first. Oh, my, my. Oh my. Watch, something bad happens. We go to others first because we're worried and upset. What if we started taking our problems to God first? Now that's a noble idea. What if we spent more time praying about things than trying to solve them on our own? I am so guilty of looking for the fix to my issues. We all are guilty of it. We all think we can fix it. We all think we've got this under control. I want to be better about going to the one who may or may not fix the problem, but can give me peace through the problem. He may not solve everything for you, but he'll give you grace to walk through it. Everything may be crumbling in your world, and he may let it crumble. but he'll never leave you nor forsake you. And while everything is crumbling, what he may be doing is he may be allowing what is crumbling around you so he can build something better for you. Look at Job. Job lost everything. It was so astonishing how Job lost everything that his friends, three of them came. How long did they sit there? Was it seven days? They just sit there and looked at him for seven days and didn't say a word. You talk about some friends. They're just looking at you for seven days because they can't believe every, oh, you must be doing something wrong. You must have sinned somewhere. All this may be happening. God was going to prove a point. He said, I'm going to take everything away from Job. He's not going to curse me. He's going to bless me. And then I'm going to give him everything double again. Well, all right. Psalm 121, 1 and 2. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Nine, this is a good one. Praise, silences, the enemy. Praise silences the enemy. If you can learn anything this year, learn how to be a praiser. Be a praiser when it's good, be a praiser when it's bad. Be a worshiper when it's good, be a worshiper when it's bad. Be a worshiper when it makes sense and be a worshiper when it doesn't make sense. Be a worshiper when you're in control, be a worshiper when you're not in control. Oh Lord, have mercy. When I can't get the fears out of my head, when my worries threaten to take over my day, when the negative outweigh the positive, it's time to praise. When we praise God for who he is, the enemy flees. We have to be intentional to battle the enemy. We must fight for our joy. Remember, Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is your strength. The devil wants your joy. If he can get your joy, you have no strength. If you have no strength, you cannot draw from the wells of salvation. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Choosing joy and being intentional. Everybody say intentional. In our strategies, has to take priority in our lives. You have to plan all of this out. You have to be intentional about this thing. How many days in our lives... Like sands through the hourglass. So are the days of our lives. (laughs) Sorry. In the days of our lives that we walk on this earth, how many days do we walk around with our brains in neutral? We're just existing. We're just surviving. We're just getting through, getting by. But if you're intentional, and say, I'm going to be a praiser. I'm going to fight the devil. So we choose joy, and being intentional in our strategies has to take priority in our lives. I'm going to keep joy no matter what. Go turn some praise music on. Stop listening to that devil music and start listening to some praise music. Uh Uh-huh. Listen to some good old praise music. Whatever style you like. If you like reggae praise, reggae praise. If you like contemporary, contemporary. If you like gospel, gospel. If you like rap praise, rap praise. Whatever. Not rat. Rap. Rap praise. When that doesn't work, start counting your blessings. Write them down and give God a big old thank you. How about that? Write down everything he's done for you. Because our minds tend to forget. Because as soon as it gets a little hard and life gets to be a little struggle, we tend to forget about the goodness of Jesus. When I think about the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me. Yeah? Psalm 8, 1 through 3. Lord, our our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies. See that? Through praise of children and infants, he has established a stronghold against the enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. If we would praise more than we complain, we wouldn't deal with near the problems and trouble that we have. Well... When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? Psalm 8, 1 through 3. Praise. Remember that old song? Well, it's amazing what praising can do. Remember that one? Oh, hallelujah! Hallelujah! It's amazing. Number ten, God is working it all out for your good. God's working it on Whatever I'm facing, whatever tomorrow brings, whatever fears come to fruition, are expectations that are just as a big letdown. Expectations are a big letdown. God is working it all for my good. I may not understand it, but I am not called to understand. I am called to be faithful. How about that? You're not called to understand. When we went through our transition years ago, I did not understand all of it. Because God divinely led us to that place. God divinely led us to that place. A man, a prophet of God, stood in front of us on a Sunday night and said, there's a change coming in your ministry. Blah, 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 blah. I knew exactly what he's saying. The next morning, 7 o'clock in the morning, I get a phone call. I want you to pray about this. I want you to pray about coming here and being our youth pastor. I said, there's no reason to pray. Because I got a word twelve hours ago. The Lord said it's coming. Divinely brought to that place. And then 10, 12 years later, it's all getting fried. It ain't fried. It's getting scorched. It's getting burned. Uh your fire is too hot. And it's burning the chicken. You're burning the chicken. That's a terrible thing to burn the chicken. God is working it all out, and I'm not called to understand. So I gotta pray more and I gotta worry less. I have to let my faith be bigger than my fears, and my trust instead of my fear. Romans 8 28, and we know that all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. He's called you according to purpose. Okay. Cornelius built a memorial prayer altar, okay, Cornelius, Acts chapter 10, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, and I'm almost done, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man, one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. He saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour, three o'clock in the afternoon, An angel of God coming to him and saying to him, Cornelius, we looked on him. He was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. All right, I'm going to bring this all in and show you what you can do. Now, contemporary English version says, the angel answered, God has heard your prayers and knows about your gifts. God knows where you're at. God knows what you've been doing. The Good News Translation says, God is pleased with your prayers and works of charity and is ready to answer. So God knows and he's ready to answer. The International Standard Version says, your prayers and your gifts to the poor have arisen as a reminder to God. There's a scripture in the Old Testament and I don't know where it's at right now, but God actually says, remind me. Remind me. When you're struggling, remind God. Hey, you know, I'm out here struggling. Hey, now. God remembered, he was ready to answer, and he knows about it. Not only were Cornelius' prayers and alms sacrifices to God, but he was told that God took note of them. Imagine hearing from God that he noticed what you did in his name. Imagine you hearing from God. I've been seeing what you've been doing down there for me. I've been seeing the stand you've been taking. I've been seeing that memorial. You like that? I'm seeing that big memorial that you're building up there. Now I'm bringing this baby in for a landing. a 777, a heavy coming in. Got a television in the back of every seat. A heavy coming in. We're building memorials to God building our memorial one stone at a time. So pastor, how does all of this work with a new year without what I need to do? Fasting, the word, and now prayer. Stones, materials of fasting, stones of prayer, stones of reading the word, stones of faithfulness, stones of commitment, stones of compassion, alms and deeds. I was in a situation last week and Marcus looked at me and he said, why do you do that? And I said to him, I have to treat this situation like Jesus would treat the situation. Because I'm Jesus on the earth. I'm the only Jesus these people will see. So how am I going to treat him? So you build a memorial, a monument with these stones of prayer, fasting, the word, faithfulness, commitment. Now, think of it as a bank account, all right? Think of it as a bank account. Every time you pray, every time you fast, every time you read your word, every time you come to church and don't feel like it, you know what I'm saying? Every time you come to church, every time you work in the food pantry, every time Clark and Jonathan turn on the computers and it's all whacked out, it all goes somewhere else. The display just disappears. All of this. Every time you do that, you deposit in that bank account. I got scripture for it. All right? You're just depositing. I'm praying on Saturday morning. Pastor changed it from Saturday night to Saturday morning. I'm coming to pray. How was prayer? Prayer was good. We had eight. That was good. Were we worried about the eight? I'm not worried about the eight. Because I'm building a memorial. I'm building something to get God's attention here one of these days. I'm in a relationship with him. So when that emergency comes, when that unexpected attack from the enemy comes, there's a balance in my account. I don't have to look at it and say, Oh no, there's no money. I've got the fasting in. I've got the prayer in. I've got the word in. I've got the faithfulness in. Let's stand. Revelation, chapter number 5, verses 6 and 7. Watch this. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. Revelation 5, 8. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints this is john's revelation every time i say a prayer i'm filling up a bowl in heaven every time i call on the name of the lord i'm putting it in my bowl in heaven the new living says it like this and when he took the scroll of the four living beast beings and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb each one had a harp they had they held gold bowls filled with incense which are the prayers of of God's people. So when we think our prayers aren't going anywhere, they're going right into the heavens. They're filling those bowls. They're coming into the presence of the Lord. Now, I didn't say he'd answer them right away, but they're going into the bowls. They're going into that account. They're building that memorial. Somebody said one time, Yeah, this job down here, walking with the Lord, it doesn't pay very much. But you ought to see the retirement plan. It's out of this world. Amen? So what do you got to keep doing? Don't stop now. Don't stop now. Just keep on going. Just put one foot in front of the other. Just keep showing up. Just keep praying. Just keep fasting. Just keep reading the Word. Amen? There you go. Fasting, the Word, and prayer. Do the basics. Fifteen minutes a day praying. Read the New Testament through this year. Maybe we ought to see how many of us can do that. Pick your day to fast. To concentrate yourself to the Lord and what He's wanting to do in your life. Let's pray. Lord, in the name of Jesus, help us to realize, Lord, that Serving you is as easy as A, B, C, 1, 2, 3. It's as easy, Lord, as submitting ourselves to you. Submitting our plan and our purpose to you, God. Our desires, our wills are consumed and swallowed by your will and your plan for our lives. I just pray, Lord, that now the words that have been spoken here tonight will touch a heart, will change a life Will help us to grow closer to you. That we'll be encouraged, God, to build that memorial like Cornelius did. That we'll be encouraged, Lord, to fill those golden bowls in heaven with the prayers of the saints of the Most High God. And that's us. We, Lord, are the saints of the Most High. And so, Lord, we just ask you now to anoint our ears and our hands and our hearts and our bodies that what we've heard, we now take and we employ. And we work it, God, to your kingdom and to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, brothers and sisters. Get out of here before the storm comes.